Everybody say family business. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 says, wise people are builders. They build families, businesses, communities, and through intelligent and insight, their enterprises are established and endure. Wise people are builders, and they build families. Wise people are builders, and they build families. I guess a good place to start from the outset today is this. The family is God's idea. We see all the way back to the book of Genesis the idea of the family, that before there was sin, there was family. In fact, before there was ever a nation or a church, there was a family. And before there was anything that we can see in time, there has been family. The family is the thing that God uses to protect us, to love us, to teach us while we discover the world and our faith. I've heard it said that family is not just an important thing, it is everything. And there are different types of families. I know that there are families where both biological parents live together. I know there are families who are being raised by single parents. There are families who have experienced loss. There's different kinds of families represented in our church today. There's adopting uh, parents. There are foster parents. There are other people that maybe, I've heard people who have served in the military call the people that they served alongside with family. I've met people who's worked really well with people over the years at their factory or their company, and they called them family. And not only that, but I also think that one of the family units that God blesses the world with is the church family. And there's just nothing like having a church family. And I want to encourage you that if you are one of the people that, that come late and, and you leave really fast and you don't get to know anybody, I want to encourage you to, to take some time, maybe come a little earlier, stay a little later, get to know some people, mingle, get on a serve team if you have to. But you need to do some, some life together because a lot of people can be hesitant to come to a larger church because they just don't feel like it's like family. A lot of people can come from a smaller church where everybody knew each other's names, and that's totally okay. We bless and pray for those churches weekly. But I know our church is a little larger, and it's harder to know everybody around the room, or especially we have multiple services, so you may not see families that, that don't attend your service. And so I just want to encourage you that, that you could come in and say, well, that church is just too big. It don't feel personal personal enough for me. Now, let me just say this. You get out of church what you put into church. And if you are coming in and not making connections, at some point, I need to encourage you, make some connections, build some life with somebody. Don't just sit in rows, learn to sit in circles and, and get some coffee and build some relationship. One of the ways we do so is our serve teams. If you've never been on a serve team, I want to encourage you to get on a serve team in another way is what just came on the screen behind me a little early on the queue, but <laughs> is our small groups. If you're not connected to a small group, I wanna encourage you, you can go online, you can go to the guest services. If you've never started a small group, led a small group, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't wanna like sit around, teach the Bible and all this stuff. No, no, a small group could be a coffee group, by the way. 
You can go fishing with your buddies and just do, just do life together so that when you come to church, it don't feel like we're having a TED Talk. We're building God's family through the local church. So the family is, is, is God's idea. Number two, there are no perfect families. I know you may be shocked by that today. A husband said to his wife, for the last 30 years, all you've done is find mistakes in everything I say. And the wife said, 31 years, 31. <laughs> I just need to say this and get it in the atmosphere that don't let social media mislead you into believing that perfect families or perfect people exist. We have learned to crop and to filter and to be impressive and causing us to think that their families are better than our families, that their kids never wake up in the middle of the night trying to get in their bed and their house is always clean and she's always got a schedule and she's always in a diet and he always works hard and he looks like a model and I don't know how he does that. Those people don't exist. Those people are paid to live together for Instagram. <laughs> There are no perfect families because there are no perfect people. Can I get an amen? Because wherever people are, there are complications. And wherever people are, there are contradictions and inconsistencies. Because people, because of our sinful nature, we are imperfect. And I'll go one step further. If you're in the room and you think that that you know, you can't find a perfect uh, spouse. You're never going to find a perfect spouse. In fact, I'll say this, if you're married, you can't leave that one and find a more perfect one. Thank you. Um, it's not just that families are imperfect. Uh, let me go one step further and say, Church family is imperfect. It's good to say everybody get in a life group, get on a serve team, get to know somebody, because it almost sounds like, yeah, that sounds amazing, but I, I just want to let you know where people are, imperfections exist, and in the church, there are imperfections. And if you've come to Vibrant Church thinking you found the perfect church and the best-looking pastor, I'm joking. Can I tell you today, you didn't find it. If you came to Vibrant Church thinking you found the best perfect, no, you didn't find it. And many people in the world today, unfortunately, there are a lot of failures in church, a lot of missteps in church. People make mistakes. People get hurt. People have attended this church because of hurt. People have left this church because of hurt. And I just need you to hear me today that that the church is full of imperfect people, which is exactly where we need to be. But if we're not careful because of our hurt, we can build distrust. So it's hard to move on. It's hard to be excited about the future because of the distrust that has come because of the pain of the past. It's, it's hard to, to really believe that It's really hard to believe that God could do anything great through anybody because 
People can make mistakes. It's hard to trust again. And I want to encourage you, when we put up walls of distrust, it really creates a barrier where you are not able to receive from a ministry or receive in relationships. Patrick Lencioni said the five dysfunctions of the team, and number one is lack of trust. If there's no trust, then we are creating a barrier where God cannot minister through that. Am I helping you a little bit right now? And just because, just because your team may lose every once in a while doesn't mean you stop watching football. I mean, there are people in this room that root for Auburn. Are there any war eagles in the room? That's right. I wouldn't say nothing either. But we don't quit cheering on the team that every once in a while may lose a game. Can I just tell you today, we don't give up on our faith because the church has her failures. We don't give up on our worship and our praise and our commitment to Christ because every once in a while we may lose a game and our feelings may be hurt. But at the end of the day, God said, I will build my church in the gates of hell. Am I talking to anybody? Will not prevail against it. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, deflected the responsibility. We're talking about imperfect families. Here's the first family on the earth. The devil shows up, talks them into eating some fruit that God said don't eat it. God shows up, knocks on the door. Adam lets them in and says, what did you do? And Adam says, it was the woman thou hast given me. Goes over to the woman and she's like, it was the serpent. See, see, we've been messed up pretty much from the start. They had two boys, Adam and Eve, had Cain and Abel. We didn't get two or three, four chapters in. Next thing you know, Cain's killing Abel. Noah was used by God to get all his family on the ark. You would think that's a great leader of a family but later became drunk and laid naked in a tent. In fact, if you read the story, it ended up cursing one of his sons because of it. Eli, the priest who was used by God, had two sons who dishonored the house of God. Jacob had all of these sons who were jealous of the younger brother Joseph. They faked his death and lied to their father. We're talking about, in the Bible, there's almost few families that represent a good family. We see from the beginning and the shaping of, of, of the family in the Bible how God is beginning to shape it, but we also see quickly the breakdown of it. Because of our humanity and our sinful nature, there are many broken, hurting, and confused families. And I need you to hear me today. This by far, this topic by far, is the number one prayer request we receive in our church. Family problems. Every week, and the staff know, they're sitting up here, that every single week we hear about families of a son who has a court date and a daughter who is diagnosed and a father who committed suicide and an aunt who is, who is aging and who fell down or the loss of a sibling or an addicted spouse or a family secret. A few weeks ago, I opened up the altar. I don't know if you remember. I don't even remember what service it was. I did it right off the cuff, felt to pray for people, and came down in one person at a time. It's probably three or four weeks ago now. Came one person at a time, and it was probably 30-ish, 40-ish people. 
and I prayed for every individual at a time, and I'm telling you, 80% of them, if not more, were relating to the family. Dealing with hurt at home, I want you to know today that it seems like the family is one of the main pressure points in our particular church, and I believe even as a church as a whole, because it is a pressure point in our society. And as the family breaks down, so does society. You cannot have a strong society with weak families. And you cannot have strong families and have a weak society. And this is why the enemy is so bent on destroying families because he knows if he can destroy the family unit, he can destroy society. And when he destroys society, there goes the nation. And when the nation goes, there goes the world. So you see the enemy has gone upstream and has found what he can damage early on in life is the family. I think what's important as we begin the, this series today, we have several weeks of this planned, is I think it's important for us week one to know this, that God has principles, guidelines, and promises for the family. If the family was God's idea, if the family was God's idea, he has a blueprint for the family. So just the other day, uh, I mean, just happened the other day that, that Judah ju just happened. He bought a, we bought him a bed frame, bought him a bed frame. His mattress had been on the floor for a little bit, and we bought him a bed frame for him to, to be up on the, on the like, elevated off the ground. I don't know. It, he's just not on the ground anymore, okay? So we went and bought him this, this bed frame. And I realized like immediately that when I started putting it together that I needed the instruction manual. <laughs> and the longer I live, the more I realize that when you buy furniture pieces or toys, that you have to get over your ego and your pride and find the instruction manual very quickly because I don't always know what to do with the pieces in front of me and there's nothing scarier than after you've put it together and there's like a one screw on the floor and you're like, we'll just, we'll just throw it away and act like we never saw it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So when you're looking at the pieces, when you don't know what to do, it's time to go to the instruction manual. It's time to turn your attention to what the manufacturer has to say about the pieces they have provided. Am I helping anybody? The same is to be said in our own families, that when we have all these pieces, our children, our family, our work, our wife, our business, all of the pieces, and we don't know what to do with these pieces, the most important thing we need to do is to turn to the instruction manual, go to the manufacturer and say, you gave the pieces, now what do you say? What's the next step? How do we raise kids? How do we, how do we ha handle conflict? What is your word teaching us how to build a family? Because a wise person builds a family. And notice this, when I read the instruction when I'm putting the bed together, the instructions didn't put the bed together. 
Like I didn't take the instruction manual and throw it on the pieces. Oogity boogity. Or what we do is, in the name of Jesus, bless my family. Am I talking to any of us? Come on, don't you leave me. Many of us are, are looking at our family and might as well say oogity boogity abracadabra. When the scripture lets us know that when you take the instructions and you apply it to your life, you then build a foundation to build a healthy family. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Jesus said, everyone, everyone, then who hears these words of mine and does them, doesn't just look at the instruction manual, but does what the instruction manual tells them to do, will be like a wise man who built his house or his family on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Somebody say amen. Because, why? Because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine or just flips through instruction manual without applying what the manufacturer says to do will be like a foolish man who built his house or his family or his legacy on sand. So, so many of you, last week, Pastor Lonnie, who did an incredible job, he preached last week on Humpty Dumpty. Remember that? Well, we're gonna continue our series on little kids' nursery rhymes on the three little pigs. Now, the three little pigs, here's the story. There's three little pigs. One builds his house with something convenient, something accessible, something cheap, and in no time, the little tiny piggy built a house with straw. Well, the, the story goes on that the big bad wolf shows up. How many of you know the flood came? The rain fell. The big bad wolf is coming. And I'm going to paraphrase. I can't really remember this story that well. But he says, what did he say, somebody? Let me in. And he huffed and he puffed. Actually, no, he said, let me in. They said, not by the hair on my. That's right, that's right. I was reading it between services. I remember now. And they said, no, you ain't coming in our house. Got all the right attitude, right? Got the right mentality, but got the wrong material. And the Bible says that he huffed not the Bible, my God. You people believed it. You're like, yes. <laughs> you people were like, come on, Pastor, get it. And the story says that he huffed, helped me, and he puffed, and he. Here's what happened many of us are building our homes on materials that are easy to find. So, what we picked up from family exposure, how mama did it, how daddy did it, how our grandparents. So every woman in our family just talks about how lazy all the men are. 
because that's our normal straw mentality. Or when there's conflict, the men storm out of the house, upset, slam doors behind them. Well, where did he learn that from? Probably his daddy. Or the word divorce is really quick in your home because everybody's got divorced in your family. And I'm not hating on divorce. I do know there's some situations that have had to happen. But hear me today. Many of us are picking up straw, the ideologies, the philosophies of how to build a family based on material that was easy to find and easy to pick up from your background. And just because mama knows how to cook and daddy knows how to fix a car doesn't mean that they were building a family on biblical principles. Oh, so what happens next? So the little house, or little pig in this house, panics and runs to his buddy's house. The pig that built the house with sticks. And the same thing happens. The big bad wolf shows up, and he says, let me in. It's like the Tower of Babel in here right now. And he said, not by the hair on my. And so he huffed and he, and he. And now here's another set of material we build with is that many of us have built our families based on what media has expressed to us. So based on what you see on TV, right? Have you ever watched TV's progression? Just, just think about it. Like, I love old shows. I really like old movies, old stuff. And when you watch, like, and I'm not saying we have to return to this, but when you watch Andy Griffith, <laughs> when you watch those old programs, the family unit and family values we're wholesome. We're producing great material for people to, to observe. But as time has gone on, now you watch something on TV. And I don't know if you've picked this up, but every time I watch something on TV, especially if it's pointed toward kids, they make the kids seem intelligent and the parents seem like idiots. Am I right about it? They do. They make the parents seem like they know nothing. And they're like, Dad. And Dad's like, ook dook You know what I'm talking about? And it's expressing to a generation how we should view adults. When the Bible teaches us that we should honor our mother and father, for this is right. It doesn't say that they are right, but it says the right thing to do is to honor the position. And when you got a generation watching TV and watching things, I thought it sounds so old school, but let me just tell you the truth, that we're watching things that are instilling in our kids how to build something with sticks. But when the big bad wolf comes knocking on the door, they're gonna instantly realize that what they built doesn't last. So the two little pigs, the Bible says, <laughs> ran over to their third buddy who built his house with a different material. And what he used were brick and mortar. 
And now all three little pigs are in the house and the big bad wolf shows up and says again, thank you, it took three times for us to figure that out. Little pig, little pig, let me in. And they said, and he, okay, some of you didn't read it either. He huffed and he puffed, but he struggled with this house and opposed to these houses. Now, now, both houses had the right attitude. You're not getting in my house. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I plead the blood of Jesus over these kids. Pleading the blood over them when they're 30 doesn't replace you not teaching them when they were 12. That's rough, that's rough, that's rough. Many of us are praying miracles on the back end when we could have avoided them if we built something in our kids on the front end. I'm talking to me, I'm talking to me. Now, 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 the, the big bad wolf shows up every time. Everybody's got the same attitude. Everybody has different material. When he gets to this house, he had built with something more sure more secure, more stable, more sufficient. And when you build your house with brick and mortar, you ain't finding brick and mortar in the yard. You got to go get the pieces and mix some mortar. It takes intentionality. It's, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some resources. And hear me, whether your house stands or falls, it is dependent, not on your good intention, not on your good motives. It's what you decided to build into your system, what you decided to build your family around and with. Because the big bad wolf's going to show up. Many of you right now are dealing with the big bad wolf. And our prayer is today that we're building a church family that knows how to build their life with brick and mortar. There's a story in the Bible. If you, if, if you read it too quick, you may not catch it. It's the beginning of the story of Job. Many of us know the story of Job as the guy who lost everything that God could trust and he gets it all back. Really cool story. Really depressing story. But when he's, when he's early on in our introduction of, of Job, we find that Job, was a family man. He had a bunch of kids. The scripture lets us know about them. But, but we find something in chapter one in verse five that I've read past a hundred times. But this week came to life again in a different way. Job chapter one, verse five. The Bible says this, that he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Thus Job did regularly. Every day, Job got up, passed the hay, passed the sticks, 
And every one of his kids, the Bible says he made sacrifices, which in Old Testament terms or really old Bible terms would have been that he was sacrificing animals on their behalf for them to be right with God. In the New Testament, you can say it like this, that they acknowledged, he acknowledged the things of God, that he prayed for his kids. He, he pled the blood of Jesus over his kids. He prayed for his marriage and his home and that every day, he did it regularly. King James says continually, every single day. Lion, he just kept doing it. That I'm building something that's going to last. I'm putting something in my children that's going to be stable. I'm going to put something in my family that's just not sticks and straw. I'm not going to let my family think it's okay to play the victim all the time. I, I want to build something deeper. I don't want my kids to fall, uh, fall into believing that political correctness is a way to feel and to believe and to build your life off a of feeling. Why don't we build our lives on fact? And I want to put something in my kids that's going to last. How about, I put, how about I put the word of God in my son and my daughter? How about my marriage before we go to bed, even if it's just briefly for a moment, that we gather and put our hands together and say, God, thank you for this day. Help us tomorrow, and we love you in Jesus' name. Just, just introducing your family to the idea that our business is God's business. Your family is God's business. Your family and God are not separated. We have to invite God to be a part, to get in the business and help us with our teenagers and help us with our minds and help us with step parents and help us with foster kids and help us with divorce and help us through pain and sorrow. There's so much represented. And in, in closing, I just wanna do this, in closing. I just, we did it last service, I wanna do it this service, that if you're in the room and you say, Pastor Ethan, in your final moments with us today, will you just pray for my family? Right where you are, you don't have to come down front. But if you say, please pray for my family. You may be afraid to, to respond right now because you think, well, people's gonna think my family's crazy. Honey, all our families are crazy. Do me a favor, right where you are, if you want prayer for your family, whatever it is, I want you to stand. to build our families on the rock. That's why you stood. Because sometimes our way may seem right. The scripture teaches may seem right. But the end, therefore, is destruction. You know, Clay, I was thinking about this last service that we can learn how to do this, you know, professionally where everybody can see, publicly, with our business or our life, or even me with the ministry. 
I fill the room and people like the sermons and the team is healthy and strong. We built a great church. But I built something at home where you can't see. See, we can impress people with what we build in our businesses and with the way we dress and what we live with and the cars we drive, but, but we know when we go home, it feels like our life is hanging on by a thread. One of my greatest prayers in my life, Miss Crystal, is this, that those who love me most will not respect me the least. Because it's very easy to build something thinking that what I'm building with my life outside of my family is more important than my family. And then I get to my deathbed and my kids won't be there. Oh, but the people will. They'll, they'll put a bunch of stuff on social media when Pastor Ethan dies. He baptized my kid. He was there for me. And I, I, I hope so. But I hope that what I have in private is way stronger than what I got in public. In my family. In my character. In my integrity. I want to close with you, but I, I just want you to know something. If you're one of the people that you know, you feel like you're a little late right now. You're like, man, I, you know, it's a good sermon. I should have heard that 20 years ago. It's not too late. You know, you've heard them say that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. You may have felt like, you know, been a little rocky, but today you can start again and say, I want to start applying the instructions to my life. So I just build, we're not going to be perfect. We're still going to be cray-cray a little bit. I just, I just want to build my life on a sure foundation. That's week number one. You know, I, I can go back and imagine all of my time growing up in church. I love growing up in church. I'm a pastor's kid, and it really changed. It really, it was just, the trajectory of my life was adjusted so much because we prioritized God we talked about God like he literally lived in our home. Like he was, it wasn't just a, an afterthought. Like my mom and dad never came to my room on Sunday morning and said, hey, uh, you want to go to church, honey? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, one, I've never heard that. I would think my mom and dad cussed if they asked me that. I couldn't imagine that, asking me if I want to go to church. My mom and dad were trying to build something that lasts. And looked at us and said, we're leaving in 20 minutes. Get ready or you're going like that. Come on, I know some of you know what I'm talking about. I want to just encourage you. Let me just be a little bold right here. Let me just pastor you if you can handle this. Don't give them the option. Just bring them to church. Because you want to instill something in them that when the big bad wolf comes, and if you think your attendance or devotion to Christ where it may be weak doesn't affect them, hear me, what you do in moderation, they will do in excess. So where you don't prioritize God in marriage, 
they won't prioritize God in marriage. They have to see you. Prior, we all have to, we all got to do this for every member of our family. It's not just kids and parents. It's all, you have to, to, to decide today. I'm going to build my life on something sure and something stable and something that when the big bad wolf comes, when the divorce demon tries to kick our door in, you can huff and you can puff, but you ain't taking this house down. You may have got the Johnson's three doors down. But you ain't getting my house. Because as for me and my house, you, you can try to shake us with discouragement. I'm trying to wrap you up, trying to close. But you can try to shake us with discouragement. But as for me and my house, we built on something strong. You, you try to get us scared and running away, but you can huff and you can puff, but you cannot blow this house down. We are built on a sure foundation. We are built on the blood of Jesus. We're taking our kids to the house of God. We're going to pray together. We're going to love together. We're going to have character together. Why? Because it went to the instruction manual. <laughs> we got a word from God. And no matter what comes our way, this house ain't going down. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every family, every last name, every address, every single mom, every single dad, every abandoned child, every adopted son, every daughter, every foster home. God, you see the pain and the secret tears of addiction. You see the mother who blames herself for the loss of that child. You see the question marks over the father's head if he failed his son or his daughter. You see the person who aches at night over their son's addiction. God, you see the family who's been broken and shattered by the son who's wayward, who the daughter who's walked away, who don't, won't give God a chance. God, you see the children who have been exposed to abuses. You see the mother in here who was abused herself at five. You see the father in here that was beaten and bullied. Though we're imperfect, we're trying to raise kids and trying to build a family with our broken self. God, your word says that you are an ever-present help for those in time of need. And God, I ask you, in the name of Jesus to involve yourself that our family is your business and you are welcome here and we we ask you to bring healing oil to mothers right now healing oil to fathers right now we pray for teenagers who are who are struggling with rebellion i pray in the name of Jesus bring them home. We pray that the family unit will be strengthened in Columbus, Mississippi, in Vernon, Alabama, in, in Starkville, in West Point. God, let your anointing begin to strengthen the family unit, that what the devil came to destroy, tried to break down, even down to Genesis chapter 3 and 4. We pray that the curse be broken in the name of Jesus. Just because your daddy was in prison doesn't mean you're going to prison. Just because your mama was a stripper doesn't mean you're going to 
to be a stripper. Just because you die, just because family have gone through divorce doesn't mean you're going to go through divorce. I pray in the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus and we declare and we decree and we speak life. That devil, you can huff and you can puff, but you ain't taking these houses out. They're made of something different. We got something in our blood. We got the word of God in our house. We got the Holy Spirit in our home. In the name of Jesus. And as for them and their house, they will stand and serve God. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, put your hands together and give God a praise. He hasn't heard all day.